Do you want a beautiful lawn? Enter True Green, the easiest way to get a great lawn. Just water and mow, and they'll do the rest. Weed control, fertilization, aeration, and more. True Green is the official lawn care treatment provider of the PGA Tour, and they have a verified best price, which guarantees you the lowest price with no compromise on quality. You do you. Let True Green do your lawn care. Visit TrueGreen.com, T-R-U-G-R-E-E-N.com to get the best lawn at the best price with the best people. Guaranteed. Life is a highway, and on it there will be many chicken sandwiches. But there's only one crispy. so go ahead and hit the turn signal if you know about this juicy gem of a detour. Welcome into the latest installment of the Golf Channel podcast. I'm your host, Will Gray. Pleased to be joined live and in color by the number one ranked world long driver. That doesn't get old, right? Maurice Allen. It's a, nice, it's a nice tag. You've probably been called worse. And, yeah, you get lucky every now and again. That's oh, I'm sure. I'm sure. It's definitely luck that uh, has brought you to the top of the standings. But we're talking uh, a few days before long drive becomes the center of the golf universe here. We're going to have the national championships, the, the World Long Drive Championship up in Thackerville, Oklahoma next week. You're going to be there. You're going to be the guy with a target on your back as the number one ranked long driver in the world. Are you excited? Are you uh, apprehensive? What's your, what's your emotions as we head into uh, the sport's biggest event? Um, honestly, it's a little, little mixed emotions. I mean, obviously, it's, it's nice to say you're the number one ranked player going into it. And people may say, oh, you have a target on your back and all these other things. But for me, I never imagined being number one. My goal was to be number two. Okay. Um, mathematically, because the way how when we looked at it with three events going, I told myself if I win two of the last three, I'll have a, a strong possibility of being number two, but number one, I just didn't think was even anywhere in the, the cards. So uh, it's definitely a great thing, but the other side of it is a lot of people put a big, huge weight on this event, and the truth is it's just another tournament. Uh, it's like anything else. Can you get hot during that week versus, you know, normally in a long drive event, it's a day or two days. So can you, can you get hot and does, you know, winning the World Long Drive Championships, does that mean that you're the best player on the planet or the guy who hits it the furthest on the planet? Honestly, no. It just means that you had a great week. So, uh, and just like any of the other events, there, there was, if you look at every event on the tour this year, there has been no domination. Everybody's had an event where they got a, a good fortuitous bounce or, you know, another guy just didn't hit the ball as good as he had in previous rounds when they went up. And so... It's, it's an interesting sport where it always keeps you on your toes. There is never an individual that you can take for granted, no matter what the rankings may be. A little bit of Belichick in that answer. We're, we're on to Thackerville, right? We're not, we're not uh, taking this any more than any of the other events that uh, you've had recently or that we'll, you'll face later in the season. I like that. That's good. Good way to go about things. Uh, so we got, let's, let's step back here. How did Maurice Allen... Get into world, get into long drive, the sport of long drive. Let's uh, say it's interesting, man. One of my friends bet me I wasn't athletic enough. Hit a golf ball. I hit a seven iron on the simulator. They told me to go check this thing out that I'd never heard before, and I went and I hit the ball further than everybody else was hitting it. But typical long drive guy, you can't keep the ball in the grid. And I was like, ah, well, you know, it was a great day. It was fun. It's all good. And I went back to my life, and then some people called me and talked to me about it and said, you should try this thing and. Uh, it's kind of like they say in Seven Days of Utopia, you don't choose the game, it chooses you. And I think uh, the golf bug or the long drive bug bit me, and 
I definitely have had an amazing success story and a great run and the game of golf has allowed me to see so many wonderful and beautiful places. So uh, for me, it's th that's how it really got started. And I went through the grassroots system of long drive and it was definitely a situation where you're bouncing from event to event to event, doing the local qualifiers, trying yep. to get to the regionals, from the regionals to get to the, the world championships. And you go to the world championships and you totally bomb out. And then you go back the next year and you go through the cycle and and then you get on the tour and you do the tour events and you go up against the big boys and your hands are shaking. So I went through all of that and I think um, it's a, to be where I am now is absolutely an amazing thing. Hopefully I can be in a situation where I help grow the sport and hopefully change it to the masses where people start to recognize it because I had never heard of Sitlowski, Zubak, Pivlet, uh, Pavlet, Fister, any of those guys <laughs> when I was, you know, when I was coming up. It's just not something I heard of. So hopefully we'll get Long Drive to be a household name. Was there a moment in, in your, uh, I guess, rise in the long drive ranks where you thought, was there a switch of, I'm just trying this out because my guy dared me to do it or he bet, that, bet me that I couldn't to, wow, you know, I might actually be able to make something of this as a career? Um, from the career standpoint, it took a while, but it took me, the biggest thing uh, or the biggest mystery to me was I thought everybody could hit the ball far. I did not actually think that there was anything special about myself or the, the numbers that I was putting up. I just thought if everybody tried hard, they could do it. So eventually what ended up happening from there was I, I really put in the time and my belief was when the profession side came into play was, well, if you want to be a professional, you need to put in 40 hours a week minimum, just mm -hmm. like any other professional would do. And so that was probably about 2013, maybe, maybe 2012. And it took a long time I had to make Numerous swing changes, obviously not playing golf as a junior golfer or an amateur golfer, literally going from a guy who did not play golf to losing amateur status because, you know, you take enough equipment and mm -hmm. then that takes you out and then you make a check over X number of dollars and then you're really out. So um, th that was interesting and that actually did not help me with my endeavors of trying to play stroke play golf because I was ineligible to do a lot of amateur events in like the Golf Channel Am Tour. and things of that nature, but I just decided around 2013 that this is what I was going to do. I did some research and I looked at how many of their advertisements, whether it be on the Golf Channel or anybody else covering golf magazines or print or, or TV, how many of those people are really talking about and looking at distance? And well, is there a, is there a market out there for trying to get people to gain more distance or using loan drivers in their marketing scheme? and I saw that there was, even though it was very bleak at the time, but I think with partnering with the Golf Channel now and World Long Drive, it's definitely making the turn and a lot of companies are starting to see that. So let's talk numbers here. First off, what, what's your handicap when you're playing a, a normal stroke play? So my handicap is a .7. During certain times of the year, I don't even turn in scores because I'm just out there having fun. So if I'm out there playing a serious round of golf, I'll turn in that score. But if I'm going out there with my friend Clay and mm -hmm. some of the guys and I'm just bombing drivers all over the place, I don't think that that's fair because the last thing I want to do is have an eight handicap and turn around and shoot 70. Right. Anything with a decimal point, though, that's you're, you're a pretty good stick. So then that leads me to my next question. What is a good drive for you distance-wise when you're playing around versus what's a good drive when you're trying to hit the grid? Anything I can hit and find and hit again. <laughs> yeah, that, I it. mean, that's it. Okay. I mean, that's the whole objective. You know, you want to be – obviously, you – 
in theory you want to be in the fairway but and depending on the length of the rough at the courses but here in florida very few courses have really bad rough so for me it's can i hit it find it and hit it again yeah so i know we were talking before we started up here that you've had a chance to to play some golf and get to know a lot of guys from other sports who have kind of been under the spotlight and felt the pressure be it from media or or just in a big event that have kind of helped you along your way and and grow into try and perform as you hope to next week as, as the number one ranked player. Who are some of those guys that you've played with and what are some of the lessons that uh, you've taken away from them? Uh, well, the first one would obviously be Dr. J. I mean, he's become a family member. I'm a part of his family. And it's he taught me the difference between being a winner and a champion. You know, anybody can win, but a champion is what do you do to grow the sport? What do you do to make sure that your name and your image are positive and things of that nature? Uh, played golf with Johnny Damon the other day, and he and I have talked about just in today's world, social media is a big thing, so people always having negative things to say. And with his transition from Boston to New York and how did he deal with that and how do you not allow it to get under your skin and or affect your performance. Uh, I've talked to Joe Carter. He's another one of my good friends about just being in those action-packed moments, you know, mm -hmm. with him having the home run in the World Series yep. to win the game. So, I mean, I've, I've been blessed to be around quite a a significant amount of people but I've always had that when I was running track one of my coaches was Dennis Mitchell you know and Charles Johnson and Calvin I mean I've had so many people around me that have been in these spotlights and have been absolute amazing whether it be when I was running track I had a bunch of Olympians and world record holders Ray Robinson was my college coach Aaron Prather was my high school transitioning to college coach I mean so there, it was amazing to be around all these great and gifted athletes not to mention growing up as a kid when my cousin played for the University of Miami. I was on the sidelines mm -hmm. with him and Jimmy Johnson and Erickson when when they were going through that great championship run. So I've had the opportunity to sit back on the sidelines and actually witness great people doing great things. And I try to apply that to my career today. You're talking about wanting to grow the sport and get get long drive to have a bigger platform. So what are what are kind of the keys to that in your mind? What does the sport of long drive need to do over the next three, four, five years to kind of grow in popularity? as a sport what's the, what's the key to that uh the key is just following this the the blueprint that the golf channel has laid out to be honest with you i mean we've grown significantly just in the last 12 months i mean if you look at long drive today versus you know going into labor day weekend a year ago i mean we've been on espn sports center uh the the highlights are getting bigger and better they're more televised events you have more competitors coming out so I think if we just continue along with that path and then the athletes, their job is to make sure that they're going out and they're putting on a great show because regardless of who you are or what sport you play, people go and watch sports because they want to be entertained. They want something that's a break from their normal average everyday life that they're, they're going out there to do. And they, they want to go and watch sports to have that release. They want to go out there and cheer for somebody or boo somebody, whichever one it is. But as an athlete, your job is to be an entertainer. You're no different than a, a Beyonce or a Kanye West or Ed Sheeran. It's the same thing. So, have, people, you, have you gotten booed yet on the grid? Uh, early in my career, I got booed a lot. Really? But yeah, well, I sucked it up pretty bad too. So <laughs> it was okay. But um, you know, it's it's just one of those things where. I, and then the other side of it is as an athlete, you start, you want to really start giving back to your community. I started two scholarships here in the Orlando area, and it's not that there's tons of money flowing or anything like that, but I think that being that positive role model for 
not only the kids but the other athletes coming up is a big part of what needs to be done and I think as the world number one that's a step that had to be taken by me. So you talked earlier about treating this like a 40-hour work week and, and as a full-time job so when you're training for a big event like the national championships coming up how much of your training is just athletic stuff and how much of it is golf specific? Um, well, like I said before, World Championships is no different than any other tournament. So what you do is it, you set out your schedule early in the year. You look at your different events and you figure out when do you want to peak. And there are some events that you train through. There are some events that you, you know, you wind up and then you gear down. So for me, uh, a normal week would be I'm in the gym two to three times per day. I'm out on the course or on the range, sometimes a combination of the two. Uh, I may play a minimum of nine holes every day, uh, but definitely I do a minimum of three to four hours of range time, but then I'll go in and I'll drill as well. So um, that part really doesn't change from week to week. It's just how many days of the week do I do that? This, this time coming up, obviously going into Worlds, you want to make sure that you're not running the risk of injury. So there's some days where you, you wake up and you just feel a little off or a little groggy, but you make sure that, all right, well, I'll just relax this morning rather than pushing through that to get to whatever your your goal may be as far as fitness wise or swing thought and things of that nature because truth be told to you i mean we're what five days away from competition if you don't have it by now i mean there, there's no lift that i can do in the gym over the next five days that is really going to impact or change my swing and things of that nature so uh, from this point on, it's really shutdown time. The major thing I'll do is I'll drill, I'll drill, I'll drill, I'll visualize, I'll go through and look at the grid in my head and figure those things out. But for the most part, no, that's it's over now. It's like cramming for the final. You either know it or you don't. At yeah, this point, right? no, no use in cramming because when you cram, <laughs> what happens when you cram? You know, you get there and the test gets there and everything just falls square out of your brain and then you're like, what do I do now? What do I do now? I got nothing. <laughs> uh, all right, so we're coming off the Mayweather-McGregor fight where you get a UFC guy try his hand at boxing. So let's flip the script and take that to golf. Do you think you could take a PGA Tour player and put him into long drive? I think a lot of times we talk about taking a long drive guy and going to, to pro golf. Let's turn it on the other side. Can you take a Dustin Johnson, Tony Finau, Gary Woodland, that kind of guy, and put him into long drive, and how well do you think he could succeed? I think, uh, well, Tony Finau is a perfect example. Uh, him and his brother Gipper and his cousin Ben still competes. Mm -hmm. um, so the... Yeah, I, I, without a shadow of a doubt. I mean, I think the bigger problem that you would run into with those guys would be getting them out of golf mode, to get them out of saying, okay, I have to swing controlled and I'm trying to hit the ball in this 5 or 10 yard wide gap, knowing that I have a 50 to 60 yard wide and all I need to do is get it somewhere on this grid and really getting them to really free up their swings. Because remember, a PGA Tour player, the thing that makes all of them so great is they're able to repeat the same swing at pretty much the same miles an hour every single time. So to take that governor or that regulator off and tell them just go full bore, uh, I think if you got them out of the mindset, I have no doubt that you look at Bubba, you look at Gary, you look at Dustin, you look at Tony, you look at Rory. I mean, there's a, a, a long list of guys I think that could actually come out there and with the two degree heads and I mean, the shaft is, is still, everything's USGA legal, but I think if yeah. you take them and you put a two-degree head or a three-degree crankhead in their hands, anything can happen. Rory's having a tough time staying healthy even with the governor on. So maybe we leave his governor on and we'll take, uh, we'll take someone else and put him on the grid against <laughs> you guys. We'll see. Uh, what's the most misunderstood aspect of long drive from the public perspective? Uh, 
so many misunderstood. I guess the big one is it's so easy to hit a 50-yard wide fairway. Well, we saw it at Aaron Hills. It's not that easy. They can be 60 yards wide, and it's then the guys are still having trouble there. Well, but when you think about it, so let's talk physics for a second, okay? You take a guy at 145-plus mm -hmm. miles an hour, and all you need is one or two degrees off. So you take your, your typical weekend golfer, even your club, you know, your club pro, and if they're hitting, and those are two obviously completely different uh, terriers of golfer, but you take the club pro. And if he's one or two degrees off, the ball may turn 10 yards out, you know? And he may be swinging, let's say, a buck 10. You take the average golfer who may swing 90 and he's one or two degrees off, well, the ball doesn't move, moves eight, nine, 10 yards. Or, and if he's mm -hmm. wide open, then you see those big banana, banana slices. But if you take a long drive guy at 145 miles an hour, remember, everything's exponential. So even with hitting the ball and it moves, if it's two degrees open, it can literally move, Jesus, probably 40, 50, 60 yards um, completely out of the box. So you're, you're really looking at the margin of error is so slim. So, and obviously, it's like anything else. The further you go, it's not like a discus uh, yeah. vector where the further you go, it gets wider. It's still the same width. So it actually becomes slightly more narrow the further that you go. When you look at what happened in Denver, 484, 485 yards. That thing doesn't take much to slide out. And remember, you still have to be in a situation where you land inbounds and stay inbounds. It's not I can land out and then I rolled into the fairway. That doesn't work. So you, you literally, once you hit the ball, you're up to a bounce and a kick, and it's in the air for almost 10 seconds. So the wind definitely plays a factor as well. So a couple weeks back at uh, Clash of the Canyons, you made some comments that you feel like, I see the smile on your face, <laughs> you feel like long drive players are the best athletes in the world so you're sticking you're sticking to your guns I'm right? sticking to it I'm gonna stick well the reason why is because if you look at your list of long drive competitors especially the top guys they all have played other sports uh, Dan McIntosh was a baseball guy Justin James was a baseball guy Bobby Bradley another baseball guy uh, Tim Burke was a pitcher Jeff Flagg world champ another pitcher but he was with the Yankees um, and all these guys are at top levels Will Hogue was a Another baseball guy, Jason Esslinger, who was here a few days ago, football linebacker. Trent Scruggs was a rodeo guy. <laughs> I mean, so, so the, the large list, and, and so that's the big thing, is that when you start saying athlete, it's not just they're all coming from baseball. You have some guys that are baseball, some guys that are football. We had a guy that was a bobsledder. We had, I mean, so track and field, and the list goes on and on and on, and you can find all these different ath athletic people all these different sports, and then they all come to this sport. And people say, oh, well, they, they weren't the top at their sport. Well, they all made it to the professional level, and for some reason or another, 90% of them were injured. They ended up leaving, and then they found long drive. So what was your sport? Uh, I was a track and field, baseball, football, volleyball, soccer. <laughs> I played everything growing Pick up. Pick one. What was, your, what was your best sport? My best sport probably would have been track and field. Okay. Track and field, that was my best one. Were you um, running or were you, was it more track or more field? I was a decathlete all the way through high school. Okay. Uh, won, I was national champion twice uh, in that. And then when I got to college, I was solely a 100 meter, 200 meter, and um, relay guy. Do you see some similarities between discus or javelin and things like that that you can use when you're, when you're in the long drive? Oh sphere? yeah, I see all of that stuff. So the motion with a discus shot and jab, 
is the exact same motion when you're releasing your hips and hitting the, hitting the golf ball. But then I can turn it right around and look at the 100 meters because you're going through the rounds and you're sprinting. So you're, you're having to recover and come back. And the same thing when you're doing our new format, the round robin. You're hitting, you're up, you're up, you're up, your adrenaline's up, and then you have to still find yourself to get calm and come back and then get ready to get back up again and so on and so forth. So, And it's an endurance race. I mean, sometimes those events are eight hours. So yeah. you still have to be able to be pretty fit and still swinging that fast. So we have to talk about Ric Flair. Have to. We have to talk about it. The comments, the the speech, everything. You had the world ready to run through a brick wall before <laughs> you even hit a, a golf ball the other day. I think we've got the video here. We're gonna we're gonna run it in a second. But uh, just talk me through your thoughts in channeling the Nature Boy. Uh, to me, when you think about it, as an ex football guy, the woo is the number one sound that you hear when a DB hits a guy or yeah. when a linebacker hits a guy. It's just a natural reaction on the football field and in other sports when you do something. And uh, my, my, one of my training partners in Atlanta, his name's Michael Tucker. We call him Tuck. And we were hitting balls one day at the range, and I hit a ball, and he said, woo. I was like, no, no. And, and, and anybody who watches wrestling understands the whole – um, Ric Flair thing and they had this big thing where they were like no it's mine woo and, and, and they were going back and forth and it was awesome and we did that but when I was walking up to the right before I walked up to the box I got a text message from him and said hey if you win this match give me two claps and a Ric Flair and it's ironic because my brother and I my little brother Jamar and I have done that from the beginning of time that's just always been us and I think that's one of the things that's different and that I bring that's different to the sport is, you know, traditional golf, you know, somebody makes a, a long putt or they hold one mm -hmm. out, they don't get too pumped up, they don't get too amped up, they just tip their, you know, they're too cool, they tip the cap and throw a finger up or two fingers in the air and everybody's there applauding. And, but I think that in today's world, people want that excitement. People want to know that, hey, if I did that, how would I react? I wouldn't act too cool. I'd run around. I'd and, and that's what you should do. You hit the ball 483, 485 yards. You should be able to jump up, down, and scream and yell because that's absolutely awesome. And that's what draws the people in. And Ric Flair is probably, if I had to go with it, uh, between him and Muhammad Ali, probably two of the best who have ever done it because... You can all, and you can argue it back and forth, but they always backed it up. I mean, they were great showmen, but they always backed it up. Who sent you the text? Tuck sent you the text? Tuck sent me the text, yeah. so that's how it started. Right. Honestly, I would have never done it if I didn't get that text. All right, we got to listen to this. Now, we've, we've talked about it enough. I think we're going to queue it up in the back. So here's Maurice Allen uh, channeling his inner Ric Flair. To the Rolex wearing, diamond ring wearing, kiss stealing, wheeling dealing, jet limousine riding, jet flying, son of a gun. And I got the hardest time holding these alligators down. Now give me two claps and a Ric Flair. Does it get much? That get you pumped up watching that again? Oh yeah, man. Yeah. That gets you. It's it's like it's like you're getting ready to run through the tunnel in the football game. There you man. go. But that's that's just that's something that I think that uh, long drive can bring. And I understand the traditional stroke play game cannot do that. And that's but long drive is something different. It's it's an adrenaline junkie sport. That's exactly what it is. And that's I think the product that we're trying to build. And well, I think that's the plan, right? Is that you the the 
goal for long drive in terms of the fan you're trying to bring in is not necessarily a golf fan. You can like long drive without being the guy that's going to watch the Northern Trust on Sunday, correct? Very true. I mean, I think, uh, and, and no, no, we definitely want everybody in the golf realm, but we also want to open it up to the top golf crowd, the bar, bar stool sports guys, the, the, you know, golf gods people and people who are, you know, watching ESPN and all these different sh sports, just people who love sports as a whole, but may not think twice about golf. And what that does is that brings a whole nother viewer. That brings a whole nother list of sponsors. Hopefully that helps grow the sport. And it also turns into more revenue for the athletes, the guys in the sport. You could see where people are being sponsored by things you just wouldn't even think of. Yep. And so hopefully that that's my objective is to grow the sport. Are we going to see more Ric Flair next week? Are you, are you, Thinking about going something else? You got a little, little something up your sleeve? I've got a few things up my sleeve. We'll, we'll okay. see exactly what happens. Honestly, that's not the first time I did the Ric Flair, though. I did it in 2015 at World Championships. That was the okay. first time it actually came out. Right. But This one got know, a little more traction. Obviously, this one got a lot <laughs> more traction. So, But we'll, we'll see what happens. I mean, my, my objective is to go out there, definitely put on the show for the people. But, you know, one ball at a time, hit them in the grid and just see where they bounce. Seems so simple, right? When you when you lay it out just like that. That's the only way I can look at it. <laughs> <laughs> we'll take it one shot at a time, one tournament at a time. Well, Maurice Allen, top ranked long drive uh, male player. Thank you very much for joining us. I will see you in Thackerville, Oklahoma, next week for the Volvic World Long Drive Championship, which you can watch exclusively on Golf Channel September fifth, September sixth. It's going to be a lot of fun under the lights. Prime time. There you go. Prime time, long drive. There Chicks dig the long ball, right? They do not, but it sounded good. <laughs> See? That's going to be a separate podcast. And we'll come, we'll come back for, for the podcast sequel about uh, where things went awry there. But Maurice Allen, thank you much for joining us. Uh, this has been a fun installment of the Golf Channel podcast. I'm your host, Will Gray. Keep it locked to golfchannel.com for all the latest news and updates on the Volvic World Long Drive Championship. And we'll see you next time. You want to give us a two claps and a Ric Flair? I won't give you two claps on Ric Flair, but what I'll definitely tell you is if you all don't tune in, you'll have to deal with me, and I'll come find you. There you go. He's a big man. I don't want to deal with him. <laughs> September 5th and 6th, Volvic World Long Drive Championship on Golf Channel. It's going to be fun. Maurice Allen, thanks for joining us. I'm your host, Will Gray. We'll see you next time. Thank you. Having fun. Life is a highway, and on it there will be many chicken sandwiches. But there's only one crispy. so go ahead and hit the turn signal if you know about this juicy gem of a detour. With the Wells Fargo Active Cash Credit Card, you can earn unlimited 2% cash rewards on purchases you want and purchases you need. That means you earn on what you want, like trying out that new workout class, and 2% cash rewards on what you need, like a foam roller for your sore muscles. That's the beauty of the Active Cash Credit Card. It's ready when you are with unlimited 2% cash rewards. The Wells Fargo Active Cash Credit Card. That's real life ready. Terms apply. Learn more at wellsfargo.com slash active cash.